in a world where jobs are how most people make money. One man, one desire, one challenge dares to break the mold. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where we don't work for money. Money works for us. Coming soon, viewer discretion advised. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where cash flow is king. Real estate investing, the means, so you can enjoy your retirement dreams. This is the show where we cut right to the chase. No sales pitch, no long monologues, just simple how-to real estate investing advice, so you can earn the passive income you need to enjoy your retirement today. And now, your host and chief old dog, Bill Manassero. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. I'm your host, Bill Manassero, and this is the show where 50-plusers and anyone else who wants to join us get solid, no-sales-pitch real estate investing advice to help generate real cash flow. This podcast airs twice weekly on Mondays and Fridays, and if you aren't already a subscriber, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, type in Old Dog, spelled D-A-W-G-S, find our podcast, and subscribe. Well, we got a great show for you today. Uh, this young man has just been crushing it in real estate in general, but uh, specifically, you know, working, uh, you know, primarily with larger properties and uh, uh, multifamily and so forth. And we're going to hear all about it. But who I'm talking about is Greg Cohen. And Greg uh, never intended to be an entrepreneur, but when the corporate world left him disillusioned, I'm sure some of you guys can relate to this, uh, depressed and demoralized. He decided to take a leap of faith. So Greg created JWB Real Estate Capital, a vertically integrated real estate investment company dedicated to making real estate investing easy for clients. Greg doesn't just want to own a successful business. He wants to change people's lives. With 4,500 plus rental properties under management, more than 40 million in positive cash flow returns since 2011, and 1,200 plus clients served across 43 states and 13 countries, it's safe to say real estate investment is the vehicle that helps him do both. Well, Greg, welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. Bill, thank you so much for having me. Can't wait. Oh, man, this is uh, great having you on. What a uh, legacy you've already created in just such a short period of time. Um, you're a young guy here, just uh, crushing it. You're based in Jacksonville, Florida, right? Yes, absolutely. Before I jump into all the questions that I have, maybe you can just give us your story. I'd love to hear, been there, done that. I've been at corporate positions where mm -hmm. I was just, oh, damn, companies were downsized. I've been through it all, you know, in the corporate world, so I can relate. Um, why don't you just uh, tell us your story and how you got into real estate investing? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for the opportunity to be here uh, and kind of share my story. I hope I can help all of your listeners out there. You know, my story really didn't start uh, destined for any type of real estate business or entrepreneurship or any type of success in those realms. Um, you know, I grew up and went to 
college, I went to the University of Florida and I tried really hard to get a good job. And I thought that's the way that uh, my career would unfold. I know I was raised by a single mom and um, my dad and my mom, both wonderful, loving parents, but neither of them entrepreneurs, neither of them owned a, a piece of real estate other than the house we lived in. And uh, the thought of entrepreneurship was just never really talked about in my household. So I went to school and I worked hard and uh, tried to get a job, a really good job. And I remember when I landed that job in corporate America, I was really proud. And I remember my parents being really proud. And, you know, I got like a little measly signing bonus or whatever. But I was like, oh, my goodness, I got a signing bonus. Like, this is <laughs> this is amazing. Right. Like and I just I remember like the pride that I had for myself, which I attached to that corporate America job. And so I was really expecting it to go well. Um, you know, and I, I worked there for about a year and a half. And I just remember just just being uh, demoralized, not just because my experience was was tough um, and uh, it was not what I expected it to be. But it was more than that. My, my career path was shaken. What I kind of assumed I'd be doing, kind of working up the corporate ladder and learning and being a part of a team, um, I knew I needed to find a new way and I didn't really know what to do. And uh, I've always been kind of a planner. So this was a tough, tough moment for me. But, you know, with all challenges, good things happen. If you, if you have a, uh, a good support staff around you, a good support staff, and, and and you have a positive attitude. And so a friend of mine gave me a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which, Bill, I'm, I'm assuming all the old dogs read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's like entrance into the club, the old dog club, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my friend gave me that book, and I still remember to this day getting that book, reading it, starting at 9 o'clock at night, finishing at about 2 o'clock in the morning, putting the book down. Uh, and looking at myself in the mirror, and I said, I'm going to quit my job and start my own real estate investment company. Wow. And uh, yeah, that book's really powerful. That's not my, my MO. That's not how I have, have been wired to do things like that. But I was really just at a point where uh, the you know, fear and, and, and pain are a great motivator. And, uh, and also, I was 23 years old at that time, so I didn't have a lot to lose. Um, and so I said, you know, the biggest thing I'm taking from this book is that I need to mind my own business. And for some folks, that means uh, starting your own real estate investment company. That's what it meant for me. But that doesn't mean the same thing for everybody. The, the book is, is so powerful because it, it taught me to take off the blinders that many Americans have, which is you can just go to, job, go to a job and uh, count on your active income and then just kind of turn your, your light bulb off, you know, turn your brain off when it comes to managing your, your money or your investments outside of it. And uh, so that's what I took from that book, Mind My Own Business. For me, it, it involved grabbing uh, one of my best friends, uh, who is uh, one of my business partners now. And, um, you know, we set on this journey to build a real estate investment company, even though we didn't have any knowledge, we didn't have any experience, uh, we didn't have much money. Um, but we just had this attitude that, you know, we were going to figure it out along the way. Wow. That's, that's a I mean that this is a little bit different than than a lot of folks do. A lot of people will kind of come into it as okay, now I'm I'm ready to invest in in a single family home, and uh, and then you know they'll buy their first single family home, and then you know they'll, they'll maybe wait a little while and get another one, or maybe they'll start moving up and you know duplexes and triplexes. But yeah, I mean you wanted to start a serious a serious real estate company. It sounds like. Well, we did. And, and that was one of the opportunities that we saw in the beginning. We went to every real estate investors association we could go to. And we we asked everybody we could to take them out to lunch and to get as much free advice as we could. And one of the things that we saw is that most investors out there treated real estate investing as a hobby. You know, we said, well, if we 
treat this as a business, there might be an opportunity for us to do right by people and to do right by ourselves. And so we went in and we said, okay, well, instead of just learning how to do one deal, let's surround ourselves with mentors and education and training so that we could build a business. And we were blessed to have some really great mentors along the way that, you know, it was never about how to do the first deal. It was about how to build a business that uh, we could do right by the clients we were hoping to serve, the community at large, and then at the end of the day, ourselves. Wow. Wow. So what, what did you see this business being though? I mean, was it, uh, I mean, did, did you want to build, uh, you know, uh, your own, you know, rentals <laughs> or did you, yeah. I mean, yeah. What was, what was sort of the, the, you know, your initial strategy? Well, you know, for everything that I've shared with you so far, it sounds like we really kind of maybe had a thought or a strategy in the beginning, really the, the thought or the strategy was survival and, <laughs> You know, we were like drinking through a, a, a garden hose, right, as far as all this education. And so, you know, our, our best idea at that point was just grip it and rip it. Like, let's get out there and let's try some of these things and let's see what works. And so, you know, this was 2006, Ooh. which is really important to notice because, you know, to the, in 2006, uh, everybody who was in real estate thought they were good. And, um, you know, in our first year, we had an article written about us in the newspaper and, you know, we thought we were pretty good. And we tried a lot of different things. We, we tried wholesaling. We tried uh, flipping high-end homes. We tried flipping low-end homes. We tried lease options, seller financing, a little bit of commercial. You know, you name it, we tried it. One of the things that we tried as well, uh, which I'm so thankful that we did, is we, we just learned the value of passive income and we learned the value of holding rental properties and starting as young as you possibly can. And so while we were in the midst of trying to survive and build our business around and generate uh, substantial money to be able to support the business, we also set money aside and we built a portfolio of about 40 rental properties in the first year and a half between my business partners and I. I had added another business partner by that point, so I had two business partners at that point. Yeah, and so we built the, that portfolio, meaning that we bought homes and renovated them and worked on the financing so that they were positive cash flow. And, and that was sort of our retirement fund. Um, and so in the beginning, we were trying all these things. And then, you know, 2007 and 2008 happened. And those were some rough years, especially, you know, I was 20, 24 at that time. Wasn't a business owner for much, much time at that point. Wasn't a real estate investor for much time at that point. And even the most experienced business owners and investors at that point were taking some large losses. And we were no different. Um, it was a really tough moment for us as a business. We lost a lot of money. Um, and it forced us to take some, some very thoughtful learnings from that. And one of the things that we did was we started to look at what was working and what wasn't working and everything that we were spending so much time acquiring real estate and building it and then, uh, or renovating it and then selling it, we were spending so much time and we were losing money because of what the market was doing. We were losing money after, after deal, after deal, after deal. And then one day we looked at our financials and we're like, Hey, how are those rental properties doing? We looked at the rental properties and just like clockwork, the rents were still coming in, right? The jobs were still there by and large, right? The rents were consistent and we're like, goodness, I'm generating hundred bucks a month in cash flow here per property or 200 bucks a month in cash flow. Really nothing's changed here. This is really great. And uh, now the prices of those homes had dropped substantially just like everything else, but we didn't need to sell. That was our retirement account. And so we looked at that and we're like, holy cow, this is, this is really cool. Like in the midst of all this carnage out there, this is really cool. And we said, all right, well, we need to make a decision uh, as far as our business. And while everybody else was 
running for the hills in real estate and called us crazy, we decided to double down or triple down or quadruple down. Um, we decided to borrow more money. We decided to hire more people. We decided to invest in more systems and technology and people called us crazy. But we realized that because we had some great training and some, some really great mentors that real estate is cyclical. And we said, if we really believe in what we're doing, real estate values are going to come back. And when they do, if we can double down, triple down, whatever you want to call it down, we are going to be so far ahead of our competition when the cycle right sizes itself that we'll be in a position of strength. And so that's what we did. We, we said no to all these other activities. We sold for massive losses across our business and all things other than our rental properties. And then we set out and we said, let's create the same type of experience because others had watched what we were doing and, you know, buying and owning 40 rental properties when you're 23, 24 is kind of hard to do. People don't really know how to do it and to do it passively. And we said, let's create the same experience for others. Um, and so that's what we've been blessed to do over the last 16 years. We built up this business, which has been creating that same experience. And we get the opportunity to serve, you know, thousands of clients now who, who invest here in Jacksonville, uh, but would never call themselves real estate investors. We're really all about making this easy and accessible for everyday people. And um, they come to us from 49 states out there in 13 countries. The only state that we don't have a client in yet right now, Bill, is West Virginia. So if any of the old dogs out there in West Virginia are interested in becoming the, the, the client from West Virginia, uh, we would certainly <laughs> love to talk to you. That is a great story. Great story. Man, did you continue buying single family homes or did you uh, start moving into you know, multifamily? Yeah. So actually, we are committed to single family. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So 4,500 single family homes. I know, right? Sounds that different. Most is, people assume we're in multifamily. Yeah. That, sorry, on my introduction, I was a little off on there. But uh, no. yeah, that is amazing. And and um, are they all in the same geographic location or are they, uh, are they just spread yeah. out all over? Yeah, all here in Jacksonville and the surrounding neighborhoods of Jacksonville. We're really committed to one market. You know, um, I know we'll talk about some of our best books, but I'll, I'll reference one of our, my favorite books, which is uh, called Good to Great. And it talked about companies that uh, go from being good to great by Jim Collins. And he talks about the hedgehog concept, right? And um, we absolutely uh, committed ourselves to the hedgehog, hedgehog concept once we failed to miserably early on with our, our many different jack-of-all-trades ventures. And, and so that concept of us focusing on single-family rental properties and coupling that with property management services for our clients has served us well for 16 years. We expect it to serve us well for the next 16 years and beyond. And there are other things that we will do um, more to serve our clients and, and make sure that values continue to stay high uh, over a full market cycle for our clients. So we will do some things that are slightly out of that turnkey space, but it is only there if we can serve our core business, our hedgehog, uh, because you know that is what's provided opportunities for us. That's great. So you are implementing the turnkey model for your clients. Is that right? So um, they will contact you, want to purchase a home um, that's a turnkey home. Maybe mm -hmm. you can tell me about that process a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, and there's a couple different different definitions out there of what turnkey is and, and actually, which is a higher threshold, which which is a vertically integrated company. And I'll kind of, maybe I'll kind of start there, right? For those who aren't aware, the turnkey company, for it to really be turnkey, they should actually own the asset. They should, they should own the property, meaning the lot or the, or the, the house. They should actually put their own money into it. They should renovate it or build 
a brand new construction home, and then they should manage the home for you. So the person who's selling you the asset is also the person collecting the rent. And some people throw out the term turnkey, but they don't do any of those or some of those. Um, but that's kind of the standard for what a turnkey company is. You know, a vertically integrated company is a little bit more of a threshold, in my opinion. You know, for us, we really focus not just on the here and now of how do we uh, limit your maintenance costs and how do we collect rent for you. You know, for us, uh, my job and my team's job is to manage your money for a full market cycle, which is between 10 to 20 years. And so you have to have additional departments that are vertically integrated to be able to do that. You have to have departments that are focused on being an active participant in raising median incomes in your area. Uh, you have to work on serving the community at large. Um, you have to have an innovation department, which we have here at JWB, uh, because over a full market cycle, if your median incomes don't rise, your overall return on investment possibilities are capped. You need the incomes to rise if you want home values to go up. Um, so, you know, so we're more of the vertically integrated type of, of uh, company here. We're committed to one market and clients would call us who are interested in investing in Jacksonville. They may have money in the stock market and it might not be performing or they may have money in, in other mar real estate markets that might not be performing or they, they might not have a passive experience and they're looking for a much better experience. They give us a call. We work with them to build a plan. We understand what their goals are, what their resources are, and then they get to choose uh, a, a crafted portfolio. So we'll actually have assets that we own here internally. We buy land many, many years in advance. We build new construction homes on the land, and then we uh, put a resident in that home, and they sign long-term leases, two or three-year leases, so we can increase uh, consistency. And then we sell that asset to a client, and a client's goals might dictate they have three properties in their portfolio, or one, or 10. And then a client simply can make one decision and invest sort of in kind of like a mutual fund of rental properties that's been uh, catered to their goals. And it's all here in Jacksonville. And of course we do the long-term management for them. We have a staff of over 80 people here in, in Jacksonville in our office here. And we get to know our clients' goals and, and talk with them on a monthly basis or really whenever they need us. Um, but it's much more kind of a financial advisor type of relationship than it would be a real estate agent type of trend uh, transactional type of real uh, relationship we we care a lot uh, well, i won't say we care a lot more <laughs> we do a lot more than just what maybe uh, a typical tr real estate transaction would be gotcha well i you know i started uh, when i very first began in real estate with the turnkey properties but it, it wasn't a good experience it was real tough and and i think it was because the model was a little different these were people that were basically making you know they, they make their money on the sale of the house and mm -hmm. so that the property management yeah they provide that um they'll have somebody in the house uh but you know th that's where it kind of broke down is after a while the, the property management was terrible um sometimes the people they brought in were 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 not qualified tenants and and so you know i ran into all kinds of situations with the, with my early turnkey experience but mm -hmm. it sounds like you have it a little bit more wired than that which um uh which i like you you literally start with a new home um mm -hmm. which is which is really impressive and the the person that invests with you or your client will buy that home outright will they finance it will they pay cash uh, what what uh, what are the options there yeah they get to own the asset which is great for them to control their asset they're not a part of pooling of funds or any type of syndicated relationship there they, they actually own the asset and 60 to 70 percent of our clients use conventional financing to purchase their properties 
mainly because conventional financing right now is such a great value. Uh, interest rates are so low and terms are so advantageous. Um, but we really work with clients to develop what the right strategy would be for them based on where they are. Um, I know our audience here in the Old Dogs Network is more geared towards closer to retirement. So we have many clients whose goals dictate that you know a cash purchase might be the best thing for them. And uh, do you assist them with uh, finding financing? Uh, I would imagine it would be an advantage to deal with local banks and uh, uh, credit unions, whatever. Um, is, is that also a part of your role mm -hmm. or they have to do that on their own? No, you can think of everything as being done uh, for that investor. We really want this to be that flawless experience for folks because um, we believe that the biggest reason most people don't invest in real estate and in rental properties is because of a lackluster experience. And so everything is catered to to that experience. Uh, specifically, when it comes to financing, we're going to match you with uh, your lender. And uh, that would be a lender who has been proven to be able to convert that loan and close that loan, which is important when you're talking about real estate investments, especially in, a, in Florida or in markets that you may not be living in. You got to work with a team that's not going to promise the world and, and, and not deliver. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we facilitate that. And, uh, and, all, and, and every other service is either in-house or uh, facilitated by our team. Wow. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's really a great model. I, I mean, I, I see so many advantages to it. Uh, you know, the properties that I purchased when I purchased them were, were older properties. And as a result, I had just, you know, all kinds of things go wrong, you know, plumbing, electrical, and, um, you know, I mean, starting with a brand new home, you eliminate a lot of those early uh, maintenance and repair replacement costs that you have in a lot of turnkeys, uh, even though they may rehab it and try to fix it up. There's still some things that, you know, that just are, are just older and uh, will have to be replaced. So that that's really neat. You're starting with a clean slate almost, you know. I mean, granted, yeah. anything can happen, but, you know, you got new roof and all the all the key things that uh, can, you know, eat into your, your profit uh, along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And we do renovations as well. And I, and I own a lot of renovated properties myself and our clients do as well. So I won't say that renovations can't be a, a, a great experience for somebody. For a new client, though, when it's brand new, that's that's easy, right? That's just that's just a peace of mind thing. Um, you know, you really just have to do your due diligence and and make sure that the trust is earned for a for a developer that you're working with. Um, and if you have renovated homes, there's a lot more things to kind of kick the tires on than if it's brand new construction. So that works really well. Are you uh, working sort of across the scope in terms of you know C, B, A properties, uh, or do you focus on just one particular class? Yeah, you know, same kind of hedgehog concept. We found what worked for us with our own rental properties 16 years ago, and we continue to invest in those exact same neighborhoods. Uh, and we do the same thing over and over and over again. And that happens to be our below middle income neighborhood. So what you might call the C neighborhood, uh, because in Jacksonville, um, you want to be investing in neighborhoods where you have low prices and high rents and are surrounded by jobs. And, um, and it's a, a wonderful thing to be able to produce positive cash flow in a growth market like Jacksonville, uh, where population is growing and home prices have appreciated at a rate that's higher than the national average, even going all the way back to 1982. So, so yeah, so that's why we focus on those below middle income neighborhoods. That's where we can achieve the best balance of positive cash flow, but also high growth. And also it's not low income because we're not willing to go into low-income neighborhoods. It's just not, you know, I'm not going to put our team, you know, in those those environments. And it's really not a great experience for a client as well with all the turnover and vacancy and whatnot. So it'd be more like workforce housing, uh, 
would you classify in that in that realm? Yes, absolutely. What kind of returns are, are your your clients getting? So uh, your estimated cash on cash returns will be really slightly over break even, right? If you're looking at additional profit centers, you're looking at seven to nine percent returns, which would mean including your tax savings and your principal pay down. Um, and then if you're looking at including the upside of home price appreciation, that's where it really gets fun. You know, you can look at, you know, returns that are much higher than that, you know, getting over 20%. So what I tell folks is you should be looking at all five profit centers. Um, and depending on your horizon, if you're expecting to hold on for a full market cycle, you can take home price appreciation into account. Um, but if you're not, you probably shouldn't. So you should probably be looking more at those uh, profit centers not named home price appreciation. And that's seven to 9% home uh, expected return is kind of where our clients live. And, and give us those five profit centers for our listeners here. Yes, absolutely. So you've got net rental income, which is another way of saying positive cash flow. And that's where most investors look. Um, they, and they kind of put some blinders on right there. They don't really look beyond that, but there's really five. And cash flow is important, but it's not the only one. Uh, then you've got tax savings. So this is the beautiful tax advantages that we get as rental property investors um, because of the way the IRS allows us to depreciate the building, which decreases the tax burden that we have to pay, uh, which is which is wonderful. It's just an advantage you get in this asset class that you don't get in other asset classes. Uh, and then you've got uh, principal pay down, which is another beautiful thing. Right. Bill, I know you've been owning rental properties for a while. Isn't it nice to look at the loan balance going down? You know, if you look at it every couple of years or every month or however often you look at it, isn't it a beautiful thing to think about your residents, your tenants are paying your loan down for you? Oh, sure. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's to look at it every statement I get. It's beautiful. It's mm -hmm. a beautiful thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that principal pay down component. We need to, we need to think about that. Um, then you've got home price appreciation, which is, you know, interesting the way that people think about home price appreciation, right? Um, in 2006, when I started to invest, Everybody thought real estate went up in value every single year, every single day it went up in value. And if you didn't count home price appreciation, you were, you were just not, you were not educated in real estate apparently. Um, and then we of course saw the, the downside of that and the great recession and values dropping from 2007 to 2011, they dropped 35% in Jacksonville and across the country. And so from then on, people said, well, I'm not going to count on home price appreciation at all. I'm not going to count on it. You know, and usually the, the right way to do things is somewhere in between the extremes. And that's the way it is with, with real estate. You know, the, what has been shown to happen is over a full market cycle, real estate uh, returns to the norm, right? So if you look at uh, between a 10 to a 20 year cycle in your neck of the woods or in Jacksonville, and you see what home prices have appreciated from that market cycle, you'll see very close similarities to the previous 20 years or the previous market cycle. And so if you give it a long enough runway and you know what your values are in your, in your area, you can choose the, the areas that are going to have higher appreciation rates than others. And so um, it's, it's really, it's important to understand that because this can count towards, you know, this can either make you hundreds of thousands of dollars based on properties that appreciate uh, at a slightly higher margin over 20 years, or it can cost you an opportunity cost. And so most, most investors don't, don't really understand how home price appreciation works. But as you know, especially if you couple home price appreciation with conventional financing, that's where you really can supercharge your return on investment. 
And uh, one thing that, uh, thanks for sharing those with us. Um, one thing that uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier too, is that you, um, when you bring in your tenants, now you have the, you own the property management firm, so you're screening, right? And you're, you're, you're picking out <laughs> the best, best folks you can. Um, but you also put them on longer term leases and maybe you can just say a few words about that. Yeah. And as I was preparing for the opportunity today, Bill, I was thinking about uh, the old dogs out there, right? And thinking about closer and closer to retirement and how important uh, consistency of cash flows are. And long-term leases are one of the best strategies to be able to, to increase the consistency of your cash flows. Most property managers uh, don't sign longer than one-year leases. And it's unfortunate because as a rental property investor, the longer you sign the lease, the greater the chance of your residence stay being longer. And the longer your residence stay is, the decrease in the amount of maintenance cost and vacancy cost and property management fees that you have to pay. And so I just think it's this glaring misalignment of goals because property managers are there to hopefully increase your return on investment of your rental properties. However, their business model is built so that they sign short-term fees or short-term leases, one-year leases. And, you know, unfortunately, that's also the best dollar per hour activity for them. That, that's, that's part of the incentive. Yeah. Is, uh, they, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you, I'm glad you're, you're right there with me, right? Like it's called the tenant placement fee, right? You know, generally speaking, property managers make, call it equal to one month's rent for, uh, placing a new tenant in your home. And um, I always go through an example with folks, right? Let's think about yourself as a property manager. Day one, let's just say that the rent is $1,000, just to be simple here. Day one, you place a new resident in your home. You're the property manager. You earned $1,000. Well, if you rent that property out for a full year, you make 10% of the rents every single month. So you make $100 a month. So you work an entire year and you make $1,200 and you took care of all of the um, relationship with the resident. If you have maintenance issues, you handled all of that and take care of the accounting. God forbid there's an eviction or really any type of anything. You're responsible for that relationship and you made 1200 bucks versus day one, you made a thousand. And so this is why 25 to 50% of the revenue of property management companies comes from tenant placement fees, right? It is their best dollar per hour activity. And it's also most likely the reason if you approach your property management company and ask them to sign longer term leases, I won't say it's the only reason that they're going to say no, but it's certainly a, a part of the reason. Um, the other reasons would be it's, it's a lot of hard work uh, to do that. Um, so, you know, working with a provider, just like any type of money manager for you, you should be working with a money manager who makes more money when you make more money. And you should hold your property manager to that same standard. And unfortunately, if you ask that question to most property managers, they don't really have a good answer right now because they make more money when they flip tenants, when they trade the tenant. Um, and that's just not a good thing for you. Yeah. And it's, I mean, even if the, the tenant stays, they, they also have a renewal fee too. It's not as much as the, the new tenant placement, but they, they have the renewal fee. And, you know, the, the biggest one that I've been crushed on, and especially on some of these older homes is, is the, the turn, the turnover expenses. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, that, that could wipe out my entire cash flow for the year. Um, so that, that, that can hurt. <laughs> exactly. It costs between five to $6,000 on average, every turn 
and that includes the cost of the renovation because you do need to put money into the property beyond the security deposit no matter what people tell you you're going to have to do that um, and and then there's also going to be a cost uh, for that new tenant placement fee that you have to spend and then there's opportunity costs of the lost rent for call it you know 60 days while you, you didn't have the the property occupied that's five to six grand and so the whole theory of long-term leases is based on the fact that if we don't have to incur that five or six thousand dollar cost every year if we can incur it every four to five years which is you know our average residence stays four and a half years if we can incur that every four and a half years then we have lowered maintenance costs for our owners and lowered vacancy costs, increased consistency. Um, and, and really that's that's the way that, you know, long-term leases should work for most rental property investors. Just the key is finding a, a partner who um, who gets it and is willing to make money alongside you instead of making it on the tenant churn. That's great. That's great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, you know, you've been doing this for a while and uh, you kind of sound like learned uh, your fair share from the School of Hard Knocks. Um, what would you say was maybe one of the biggest mistakes you might have done early on that you learned from? And, and uh, you know, maybe you could share that experience with others so that they would know uh, what not to do. Yeah, I have my, my share of those. I mean, I can easily point to uh, the beginning of our, our story, which I sort of shared with you and and really kind of a jack of all trades, master of none mentality is how we started. You know, but I'll tell you another story, which is equally as painful or more painful is, you know, we really kind of hit our stride as a company back in uh, 2011, 2012. We had been through the hard times, we had recovered. And um, I remember going one year from, we had sales of 60 properties one year to up to 174. And that was a big deal for us. And it was like, it was more than just the financials. It was the realization for our company that, you know, we had a product and a service that was appealing to people. And we had customers that were beyond, you know, our friends and our family that actually invested with us. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a cool moment. And, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing that we did at that point is um, what I think a lot of investors, excuse me, a lot of entrepreneurs kind of fall victim to is shiny object syndrome. And this was one that was just self-imposed for us after we had had some success and we had a stable business, we then went back to that shiny object syndrome and we started to envision ourselves as a one-stop shop for real estate. And we said, oh, well, you know, we use title companies to sell properties. We can just create our own title company or we, you know, work with lenders. We can create our own lending arm or we can do this or we can do that. It's just a little bit outside of what we do. And we created a lot of confusion uh, and for our team. And it, it really hurt our business again. Uh, so when you ask us about why we're so committed to one model, uh, one market, doing the same thing over and over and over again, it's because we've learned some hard lessons along the way. Hope not to repeat those same lessons since we've, we've gone down that path a couple of times. We haven't gone back since uh, she's probably 2012, 2013, 2014. Those are some painful years again. Um, and hopefully we've learned our lesson, but it's, it's always paramount for us is that we have a, a huge responsibility. We manage over $750 million worth of real estate portfolios now. And those mistakes that we made early on when it was, you know, our own investors and our own properties, um, you know, we have to learn from those so that we are good stewards of our investors' assets, which starts with understanding what our core business is and our hedgehog and making sure that we're making decisions to serve that. 
great. Well, on the other side of the coin, what uh, did you do that was a major success that has worked throughout your business as well? And, and you might have addressed it by saying, you know, staying where you were and, and doing what you, but uh, maybe expand on that. Uh, well, I'll give you a little something different. Uh, a couple of years ago, we started to, I, you know, I'm in charge of marketing uh, for, our, for our team here. And I started to think about how could I bring the right people into our business. And, you know, when I just looked at what was working for our business throughout the decade plus, it was the people that spent more time with us, that we spent time with, generally liked working with us. And we generally loved them as clients. I mean, they were the best clients as well. And I said, okay, well, how can we spend more time with people? And, you know, that, you know, we're a, we're an efficient group here. We try to be an efficient group. So I can't have all 80 people going out and networking, taking people out to breakfast and lunch, you know, like we used to do in the beginning. Um, so what we did was uh, we created our own online community. And it's called the Not Your Average Investor Show and the Not Your Average Investor Community. And we started this, this online uh, community, and it was in January of 2020. And uh, January of 2020 was uh, very different than March of 2020, as we all know. I didn't know at that point how important this community would be uh, un really until COVID hit. And in the beginning, we had like five people who were tuning into our show and being a part of the community. And pretty soon we had hundreds that were tuning in in March and April because uh, people were scared and people didn't know what was going on in real estate. They didn't know what was going on in the real world beyond real estate, and they were searching for answers. And we all had to be holed up in our houses and uh, were searching for an online platform to learn that. So it was a really special time because I got to be there uh, with our clients and some of their most pressing times. Um, I got to be there even though I didn't have the answers to just simply be there and say that I don't know, but I'll get back to you or as quickly as we can, we can get back to you. And um, so that platform has really served us well. It's been going for two plus years now. We go live every Tuesday and Thursday and just have a really dynamic group of, geez, we just did a show earlier today and had 50 individuals from all over the country that just, uh, they tune in every Tuesday and Thursday. It's a, it's a community, it's a group. So I've learned a lot about the value of community, even the tough times. And, and now as you know, real estate's been on fire here, especially in Jacksonville over the last year. That community is, it's, uh, it's not about selling properties. It's, it's just about sharing uh, with like-minded individuals and, and really having us be a part of the conversations that are already going on within uh, our clients' heads. And it's, it's super fun. That's great. That's great. Well, you know, our audience are, are folks that are 50 years of age plus that uh, either approaching retirement or in retirement. And uh, they're looking at ways to either take the nest egg they have and to grow it, um, or they're looking for, you know, maybe a more active role in uh, as, a, as a real estate investor. What, what uh, advice would you have for those folks, you know, in, in your sphere of, of real estate investing that uh, might fit that group? Well, I just think this is a really special time to be investing in rental properties. You know, I've been investing for 16 years now, and it's never been more clear about the big market dynamics and how they're going to affect real estate over the next 12 months, right? You talk to most savvy uh, investors, economists, pundits out there, uh, you're already seeing interest rates start to go up based on the Fed's actions, and we expect that to continue. And that will have a dramatic effect on uh, cash flow, specifically for financed 
uh, rental properties. You know, I did an, an analysis, and if you're buying a property with conventional financing, if your interest rate goes up from 4% to 5%, that equates to a 33% reduction in return on investment from the cash flows. Wow. So if you know that interest rates are going up and you have a plan to start acquiring, you can work with a, a team who can financially engineer wherever your goals need to be with what the market is telling us right now. And, and you can ultimately come up with a plan and a, a strategy to get there quicker or with less money out of pocket because, you know, it's going to cost more next year. And then, of course, there's purchase prices. The same methodology here we we analyze what's going on in the marketplace and if you look at supply and demand right now there's this huge imbalance there is so little supply i've never seen it lower in jacksonville and in many markets out there and the way that that is going to be right-sized and eventually come back into equilibrium is that new homes are going to be built they're already starting to be built but it takes a long time and it's not going to happen quick enough and so we're expecting to see higher than normal home price appreciation. I'm more confident of that today, looking one year out than I ever have been. And I'm not I'm not normally a guy who's saying like, listen, I'm going to I'm going to predict the future. But like supply and demand wise, you're just not going to see uh, you just don't see nearly enough supply to satisfy demand. And so you see interest rates going up, you see home prices going up. And what's ultimately going to happen is if you make a decision to buy an asset today, it will have a better return. It will have more cash flow today than if you buy that same exact asset one year from now. And so if you know that, you got to work with a team of professionals to help financially engineer this for you. It can really mean a lot for your retirement, uh, for your legacy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a huge opportunity right now just because the signals are so strong. Great, great. Well, um, what... Uh, what you know, just kind of a ballpark here. I know this is tough to answer in every case, but you know. So, what is what are sort of the the average prices of homes that you're selling, and um, and then what uh, what would you say is sort of the the average um, rent that you know that the people are going to be paying? Uh, oh, mm -hmm. the, the, the other thing, actually, you you don't have to say so much the rent if you, but uh, the uh, I was looking at sort of what what's the cost of of entry. Here? Here, mm -hmm. for somebody to get involved yeah absolutely so um, the median home sales price in Jacksonville is about three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars right now and so when we talked about those below middle income neighborhoods you know we're going to be in that um, that that quadrant right below there is, is our target so on average your purchase prices are between about one hundred and eighty thousand to about two hundred and eighty thousand wow, in your renovated great. homes yeah yeah that's really good. especially coming from Irvine, right? Your prices are a lot, <laughs> yeah. lot higher than that. You can't get a garage for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, so renovated homes will be on the lower end of that range there. Call it, you know, 180 to call it 230. And your new construction homes will be on the higher end. So call it 225 to 280 there. Your rents, of course, will vary. But for a typical $225,000 home, that's going to rent for about 1350 um, and then your your entry point, if you are using conventional financing and you're putting either 20% down or maybe 25% down, um, your minimum that I would tell folks to expect is about $50,000 out of pocket, which would include your down payment and your closing costs. Gotcha. 
And um, with, uh, I mean, this the market sounds like it's booming everywhere I look. You know, Jacksonville is is on the list. You know, just right. uh, just the the number of people coming to the area. Um, you know, just the growth and uh, everything. The economy is strong. Um, yeah, what? Um, uh, you know, once once somebody does buy a house, then uh, for the most part, um, what? Um, what responsibilities are there of that uh, client, that owner? Mm -hmm. If folks reached out to us and, and had sort of an intro phone call with us, we'd, we'd go through kind of a, uh, a checklist with you because of the things that we know that are going to be important for you as a client and the things that we know that are going to be important for our, our working relationship. And first and foremost, you'd have to be comfortable being passive in that investment. And and that means that you're going to want a team to actually make a lot of the decisions for you when it comes to managing your investment properties. It's not every decision, but as far as the decisions of the residents that get to come into your home and rent from you, you know, you're, if you're, if, you're, if it's going to work with JWB, you're probably going to say JWB, you've rented thousands and thousands of homes. Uh, and I, I trust you. I've done my due diligence. Go find me the best tenant possible. We really aren't built to have that approval process of uh, an end client because, you know, at the end of the day, we think we're really good at what we do. And, and this is built for that passive investor. So one of the responsibilities is being comfortable being passive. Right. Um, of course, you get to make uh, important decisions and we would never hold anything back from you. And as far as we're completely transparent, but, you know, there are times when you just wouldn't have the ability to to make the call. If you said, well, I don't really approve of that tenant. You know, it's just not that's that's kind of more, more of an actor, uh, an active investor priority. And, and so that's that's really the number one is that we need our clients to make sure that uh, they do their due diligence on us ahead of time ask the necessary questions. That's why we go so slow in the beginning when we onboard a client. And then uh, we want really to be able to run and to manage your investments for you and to provide that recurring income for you. And more, more than that, the peace of mind of having a team of professionals work with you uh, and help you accomplish your goals on a monthly basis. That's, that's where it starts. That's great. That's great. Well, you have just done amazing things since you started this company, um, but you're still a young guy, so you, you've got a, you've got a ways to go. What what excites you about the future of your company and uh, where you want to see it go? Well, I love that you're calling me a young guy. I you know I've been doing this for a, for a while now, and I haven't been called young anymore. They used to call me really young back in the day, but I'm I'm, I'm approaching forty, and so uh, so That's I, I appreciate that. In the old old dog world, you know, you still got another ten years till we can uh, call you one of our own here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, this has just been a great experience. I mean, so for, for me, you know, the thing that I'm most excited about is uh, beyond the the financials. Uh, with our company. Um, I get excited about helping our clients accomplish their goals. But as a company for us, we really believe that there's a lot more than just buying, building, selling, and managing properties. If that's all you're doing, it becomes pretty hollow. And we've done it a lot. So I can tell you that if that's all that we were doing, it would become hollow and not um, engaging. Um, for us, we've always thought as that rental properties and property uh, and the properties that we manage uh, are more or less the widget, right? It is a widget that we happen to be very good at. But what we are really aiming to do is to change people's lives. And so one of the best examples of that is the best day of the year, every year for us, is going to happen next Monday. That is the JWB charity uh, golf tournament. We do it annually. 
And we raise hundreds of thousands of dollars from our sponsors and from our network of clients and from friends and family. And as a team, we just, we do car washes and we, we raise all this money, but it's all homegrown. It's not, um, you know, outsourcing the raise or we don't have any big, you know, institutional partners that do it. It's all just homegrown. And we use all this money to build a brand new construction home. And then we donate this home. We gift it to a veteran in the local community who really needs a hand with affordable housing. And so this morning we were just introduced to our veteran who is going to be getting their brand new home. Um, it'll be happening next week. And um, we got to hear her story. And I've had the pleasure of meeting the three previous individuals who's all have been given homes. And, um, you know, when it, when a military man or woman shakes your hand and tells you what an impact that you have made on their lives, um, it's something that um, I take with me forever. It's really, really impactful. And so those are the things that matter to me. Those are the things that matter to our team. Um, we want to really change people's lives. And, and the, the way that we do it happens to be through the services and, and the product. Of, of rental properties and property management. Oh, that's so neat. Oh. <laughs> God bless you, man. That is really a, that is a, just the kind of thing that makes a difference to the people that, hey, that have made a difference for us, right, in this country, if it wasn't for our military. So, gosh, that Amen. is really, really neat. Oh, gosh. Wow. Uh, neat. Amen. Neat. You got me kind of choked up here. I, I, I go in the next segment here, <laughs> but that is really, <laughs> that's really neat. That's really neat. Free house, brand new house. It's not just a house. It's a brand new house. I mean, that is really, whew, that's, that's awesome. Absolutely. Good for you, man. Thank well, you. Thank you, Bill. Well, now we are at the segment, uh, what we call our wrap it up. And, uh, this is, uh, wrapping up the interview and I uh, ask you a series of quick questions that, uh, you can share resources that have been of value to you, to our, uh, audience and uh, advice here too. So if you are ready, we can go ahead and wrap it up. Let's do it. Okay. First question, favorite real estate book. You know where I'm going there. Bring that, baby. Book changed my life. That was same here, and I don't get tired of saying it. Everybody goes, ah, yeah. Everybody says that. No, it's it really is. It's it's a mindset book. You know, it really is. It's just a it changed my mindset and regarding money and assets and everything. But uh, good choice. Um, favorite, just general business book. So well, I referenced it earlier because I think it's really impactful. It's good to great. And I think for, for our business, it helped us. It still, it centers us still as we um, have more success and have more opportunities. It, it centers us. Excellent choice. Excellent. Uh, how about a, a, a website that's valuable to you that you use on, on a regular basis in your work? Yeah, you know, I was trying to think for, for the audience what, what would be an overlooked website that I think would be really helpful. Um, subscribing to the Business Journal in your local area or in any area that you are considering investing, I think it's such a worthwhile investment. I think it costs like 20 or 50 bucks a year or something. Um, but if I'm gonna put hundreds of thousands of dollars into a market and I don't live there, the Business Journal is one of the best places to get real-time information uh, and access to information beyond just the person who's selling you that property. So I think the Business Journal is a great investment. That is a great idea. I mean, that's we really stress 
with uh, you know the folks that we talk to just you know when you're going into an emerging market especially you know there's no better area really where you can uh, find out about companies that are coming maybe even five ten years down the road um, mm-hmm. and those those companies can supply tons of jobs that can impact your market significantly so that yeah I, I, I love that that's a that's a great great uh, great reference uh, how about a favorite app anything on your phone that you use on a regular basis yeah i was thinking right before the the show i looked at my apps the the app that i love the most after she's uh, over the last couple of weeks is this app called Truebill. and uh you know we all probably could use some help managing our money i've used very various different apps out there that help track income and expenses and net worth and all this good stuff uh, i really like this app called Truebill. so i don't have, i'm not making any money off of this but I, I would tell folks to look into Truebill. it's the best one that i found so far that's great it's great it's the first time i've heard of it you know and <laughs> it's got my name in it too what, what can i do there you go <laughs> how about a favorite quote ah uh, so my favorite quote is the man who says he can and the man he says the man who says he can't are both right which one are you yeah that's a great, great quote. Um, um, and the final one is a, you know, a little bit more involved here. If you lost absolutely everything, all of your assets, and you had to start all over now knowing what you already know, and you only had $1,000 in cash, what would you do with that $1,000 to relaunch your real estate investing business? Uh, what I would do is um, I would... Uh, First, I would do all of the free things that I could to, to learn how to invest uh, because you can do that. Um, and then I would use that thousand dollars to uh, put down as a as a um, as a down payment or a as an option fee. And then I would go and option that contract out to another investor. Uh, that's another way of saying wholesaling, uh, which you can you can do with very little money out of pocket, and uh, you can make. Uh, substantial gains if you know what you're doing, um, but you got to know what you're doing. You got to invest in time and energy and, and learn about it, and you can do that in a free way. So that's what I would do. That's great, great idea. That's that's what I would. Even though I've never wholesaled, I've had enough enough wholesalers on this show and 600 episodes here, that you know that uh, that that has always impressed me as a great way for somebody to start that doesn't have any cash, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, for ten dollars, right? You can get a contract, and um, exactly. So it doesn't. You, know, you don't have to use the thousand, <laughs> but I know that there's also a lot of promotion and marketing and so forth you have to do to you know find those distressed situations. But uh, mm-hmm. but great, great, wow. Well, this has been uh, really great, Greg. There's uh, just a ton of excellent information. It sounds like your company is just doing amazing things in Florida. Um, it's also a great country, a uh, great country, a great state to do business now nowadays. And mm-hmm. um, so how can people reach you, find out about your company um, and uh, you know what you guys do? Yeah, again, Bill, thanks again for this opportunity. Thanks to all the old dogs out there for letting me uh, take part in, in the, uh, and to be a, a small part of the old dog club here. So um, for anybody who's interested in learning more about JWB, uh, you can go to our website, which is uh, JWB makes it easy. JWB makes it easy. Or you can give us a call at 904-677-6777. And if uh, you'd like to be a part of um, our show uh, and uh, kind of check out what we're up to on a more regular basis, you can just search for Not Your Average Investor Show uh, wherever you find your podcasts. 
um, or if you want to join us live in the audience and ask questions and rub shoulders with the other investors out there, you can register at uh, nyais.com for notyouraverageinvestorshow.com, and we'll uh, be glad to welcome you to the community. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Wow. Well, uh, this has been a blast. You know, we have a tradition, though, on our, our show here. We're called the Old Dogs REI Network. So uh, we have all of our guests get to close us out with their best old hound dog howl. Now, I know Florida probably doesn't have a lot of hound dogs, but, you know, actually maybe in the panhandle, you know, might, you know. But, uh, <laughs> this is great. Man. Are you this ready? You think you can this, do this? Let's do it, brother. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Oh, good. I like how you kind of <laughs> just kind of trailed off with the end of that. That was that was a very good howl. Very good howl. <laughs> I practiced so much last night. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I know your kids are probably going. What's the matter with daddy? Uh, talking to your mom. Right. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Well, um, it has been great having you on, Greg, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the audience respond to the show. I think there's a lot of good stuff here. Well, thanks so much, man. Really, really appreciate it. Well, it's been my pleasure, and I also want to thank all our old dog listeners out there for joining us. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing right now, but the fact that you've taken the time to join us means a lot. And we really appreciate it. You know, please note everything that uh, Greg talked about today. And there's a lot of good stuff there. So that's going to be outlined in detail in our show notes on the Old Dogs website at olddogsreinetwork.com forward slash blog. And in the blog section, you're going to just look up uh, Greg Cohen. Well, uh, that is the show for today. Remember, cash flow is king and real estate investing the means. Until next time, keep moving forward and may God bless. Thank you very much for visiting the Old Dogs REI Network. We would greatly appreciate if you would stop by iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. We would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. The more ratings and reviews we receive, the more visible the podcast will be to others. Thank you.